Hello and welcome to episode six of Duck TV Sports Show. I'm your host, Dylan Rubin King, and my co-host today is Jack Southworth. Jack, how you doing, man? Uh, doing pretty good, Dylan. How about yourself? I'm doing well, and I'm so excited to be talking Oregon football because today's episode is about the Stanford Cardinal coming to town. Week one is finally here. It has been 10 months. We've been waiting for so long, but the reigning Pac-12 champions are back. And I would like to talk to you, Jack, about you know how we got here because it has been a whirlwind for this team in the Pac-12 specifically. We're the last conference to um, bring back um, you know football because everybody else has already been playing. Um, we've had some games canceled already, but looks like this game is going to happen tomorrow, prime time. Um, just talk a little bit about how we got here. Yeah, I mean, you look at the history of Oregon football in 2020, obviously an awesome win uh, down at the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin to cap off a stellar season. And then, you know, everyone was getting geared up for spring football when uh, the unthinkable happened and we got hit with a pandemic and the world shut down. Um, and like you said, it's been quite a roller coaster for Oregon and the Pac-12 in general. You look at um, all the college football uh, conferences that got rolling already, the SEC, um, ACC, and the Big Ten and just recently got started. And now the Pac-12 is finally rolling around. And uh, it's been a long time coming. And I'm really excited to see where we're at um, after all this time. I mean. We were supposed to begin end of August against North Dakota State, and we had a huge game planned against Ohio State. Uh, I believe it was week two um, in September, and all that had to get called off, unfortunately, because of COVID. Um, but, yeah, we're finally here, and pumped to talk some duck football. Absolutely. And those, those two games would have been just absolutely packed with North Dakota State, the powerhouse mm -hmm. of the F FCS. And Ohio State, of course, arguably would have been probably the biggest non-conference game in the history of Oregon football. Um, but it's great to finally be here. We're finally talking Pac-12 football and Oregon football. But first, we want to talk a little bit about uh, Stanford. Um, a whirlwind season for them last year. They were 4-8 and eight a season ago, the worst season since 2007. Uh, haven't finished. They didn't uh, finish with a bowl appearance for the first time in 2008. Um, just a wild season for them, uncharacteristic of who their, who their program is under David Shaw. But David Shaw comes back, they've got some guys who are healthy, um, but they do have some guys who have opted out, um, including cornerback Paulson Adebo, who is projected to be a first round pick uh, and probably the best cornerback in the Pac-12. And also offensive tackle Walker Little, who is an All-American uh, Pac-12 All-Conference player. Um, they've got a lot of young guys that are going to have to step up for this team to compete in 2020. Yeah, I mean, you look at Stanford, um, beginning with Jim Harbaugh and then continuing with David Shaw, I mean, one of the most consistent teams across the board, not just in the Pac-12, but in the nation. Like Stanford was always right there in the mix of things with their power running game and big boys on the line. Like, they always gave the Ducks trouble, too, in those big games. Like, we've had plenty of battles with them that determines Pac-12 North and the conference as well. And 
Um, it's really just shocking to see how bad they were last year after such a consistent run under David Shaw. And um, like you said, a lot of guys that are going to get the opportunity to prove themselves this week, and we'll get our first look at them tomorrow. For sure. And the one thing that is, you know, so different from this Stanford team um, last year um, to years past is the run game. Um, you know, their leading rusher, uh, Cameron Scarlett, who is no longer with the team, um, had only 840 yards rushing. That was their top mm-hmm. rusher. And they had the eighth worst run game in the country, which is completely uncharacteristic of who they are. You know, you think of guys like Christian McCaffrey, and Bryce Love, mm-hmm. and Stephon Taylor in the last decade. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, where's the run game? Um, but I think it really uh, comes down to this quarterback now, um, you know, mm-hmm. with such a pass-heavy team. You know, you struggle to run the ball. You have a young offensive line. You're going to have to throw it. Um, they had K.J. Costello last year. He gets injured. Davis Mills steps in. He plays really well, but the team lost, I believe, five of the six games that he started. Um, mm-hmm. From what you remember of Davis Mills, um, what do you think is in store for him in 2020? Um, gosh, I uh, honestly, I don't remember too much. You'd have to refresh my memory. Yeah, he put up – I remember one game he put up about 500 passing yards against Washington State. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think they won that game. Um, yeah. But he had about 11 touchdown passes um, and five interceptions through 1,690 yards um, after K.J. Costello. Um, a really promising young guy, but, you know, you have a off, young offensive line. Um, you don't have that trustworthy guy and Walker Little anymore protecting you. Um, mm-hmm. Still a couple studs in the middle – um, with, um, you know, the, the center, uh, Drew Dolman and the right tackle Foster Serrell. Um, but mm-hmm. three sophomores in the starting offensive line projected to start. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be, it's going to be a tough year um, for them, but they're going to build um, a lot of experience through a season definitely like this. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to have those seasons where you're going to have to rebuild and, you're going to go through some growing pains as uh, guys develop and young players uh, get a feel for where they're at and how they can improve. And um, I think that's looking like where Stanford will be this year um, as they try to build off a um, pretty terrible year compared to the standards they've set for themselves. So, yeah, like you said, um, Davis Mills sounds like he's shown some promise um, based on those stats. It's just, you don't have a reliable running back to offset you and an offensive line to give you protection, that puts you in a difficult position. So we'll see what he can do uh, with that against us or against Oregon tomorrow. For sure. Um, There are some players though that the Oregon Ducks should keep in mind of. Um, And one is Simi Fajoko, who is a junior wide receiver who absolutely caught fire at the end of last season caught six touchdowns from Davis Mills in the final seven games. Um, He broke the Stanford record for um, yards per reception, had about 24 yards per reception. Um, He only had 24 catches, put up 566 yards. Um, Their leading receiver comes back. Michael Wilson had 56 catches last year. And, but they don't have um, their tight end Colby Parkinson. And we know Stanford as, 
tight end university. They've produced so many guys over the years. It looks like their starter now is going to be Tucker Fisk. Um, but on the defensive end, um, a very young secondary. They do have free safety Malik Antoine, but a lot of guys who are going to have to step up to replace Paulson Adebo. Um, the one thing that I do want to mention is that this Stanford team is going to struggle getting to the quarterback. They only sacked the quarterback 27 times last year, the fewest since 2009. So for the Oregon team now, with such a young, fresh offensive line, not many starts, not many snaps, um, what do you think is going to be the key for the Oregon offensive line um, taking care of presumably Tyler Shuck? Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, with the Stanford defensive line that has trouble getting to the quarterback, um, that's going to favor the Ducks with a fresh new offensive line, along with Tyler Shuck um, potentially beginning his career as the starting quarterback at Oregon, um, beginning his career as a starting quarterback. I mean, I know he's played a few games before. But, um, yeah, that's definitely going to favor the Ducks as – they look to get Tyler Shuck comfortable and get those young guys on the line some experience. Um, it makes me think of um, 2016 when we had our worst season since 2004. You had Justin Herbert uh, be brought in after a couple games when Dakota Prukop wasn't showing up the way we were hoping. And we had a fresh new offensive line that really struggled uh, to protect Justin Herbert. But um, last year they – we're one of the best offensive lines in the nation. So, you know, it takes time, time to develop uh, as an offensive line with, um, especially when you got young guys. So it's going to be helpful and definitely an advantage that Stanford doesn't have um, that pressure that they're going to be able to apply on Tyler Shep. Duck fans, there are going to be a lot of unfamiliar names all over this team. Um, a lot of guys playing in the NFL now or on the practice squad. No more Justin Herbert after the four years um, that he had, the Rose Bowl MVP, now falling out with the Chargers. Um, albeit, you know, they can't save a, uh, save a fourth quarter lead, but he is playing very well. Um, you have Troy Dye, who's now starting with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Shane Lemieux is starting with the Giants. And um, no more Calvin Throckmorton and Jake Hansen as well in the offensive line. Dallas Warmack also graduates. Um, so five new starters as well because of Penny Sewell opting out um, to go to the NFL, presumably a top 10 draft pick. Um, that offensive line, five new starters. Um, for Tyler Shuck in his first start, presumably, um, it's a very interesting thing because on the depth chart that was provided, um, Mario Cristobal did not name a starter in his press conference. Mm -hmm. um, Tyler Shuck shows up first, but it says Tyler Shuck or Anthony Brown, who has been the starter for Boston College the last couple of years coming over from yeah. there. Um, what do you think of that, um, him leaving off the starting quarterback from the depth chart? Um, that just gives me the perception that it's probably going to be a game-time decision or just a couple hours before the game. Uh, we don't really know. Um, it's from what Cristobal has said um, over all the practices that have happened throughout this year, um, it's been a very competitive battle. And um, you got Tyra Shuck, the young guy who's shown some promise when he's gotten on the field. 
Um, and then you got Anthony Brown, who's um, shown out at Boston College uh, for a few seasons before he unfortunately got hurt last year in that end of the season. But thankfully, he was able to come here. I think that, um, yeah, it's going to be really telling to see who Cristobal decides to start at quarterback. But that being said, I think whoever he does start will be in good hands uh, in terms of having a reliable backup quarterback. For sure. Um, both guys with some valuable experience, you know, one with more starting experience than the other playing against ACC defenses. Um, but Tyler Shuck starting uh, playing behind Justin Herbert, um, who is, you know, an NFL quarterback. Um, yes. You definitely see that he's going to have um, a lot to learn, but he, he definitely learned a lot, I'm sure, from Justin Herbert as well. And he's got great offensive um, play callers and coaches to mm -hmm. help him out as well. Um, and speaking of which, new offensive coordinator for the Ducks, Joe Moorhead, comes over from two seasons, uh, Mississippi State. He gets fired there. He comes here. Uh, he had NFL offers. He had other uh, play calling offers. He chooses to come here. Um, a lot of fans might not remember that he was a powerhouse with Penn State, um, the Saquon Barkley years, the Trace McSorley yeah. years, um, helped to build that team to eventually uh, a Rose Bowl appearance um, and a dominant offense. Um, what do you think that the Oregon offense will look like with Joe Moorhead? Um, I think we can expect definitely a more aggressive approach to play calling and a more run heavy offense in particular with the quarterback based on what we heard um, the quarterback will whoever it is whether it's Shuck or Anthony Brown um, we can expect more uh, plays where the quarterback actually runs the ball which is a callback to the Chip Kelly and Mark Helfrich days where we had the classic read option with guys like Jeremiah Masoli and Darren Thomas and um, of course Marcus Mariota so um, it's going to be interesting to see the quarterback run the ball some more because we know Justin Herbert um, definitely could run the ball when he was given the opportunity um, I think that when he broke his collarbone against Cal in the 2017 season and was sidelined for a bunch of games they definitely relaxed that approach and let him hand off the ball and sit in the pocket. But when they um, let the reins off on him, I mean, he ran for three crucial touchdowns in the Rose Bowl and ultimately made the difference against Wisconsin. So I definitely think we'll be able to expect more running from the quarterback as well as a shift from the conservative, simple approach of Arroyo, which was frustrating for many Duck fans to watch. Um, when you have so many weapons and a great offensive line, I think it'll be a nice change to see Moorhead um, really let his guys get after it. And I'm excited to see what it's going to look like tomorrow. Absolutely. And Joe Moorhead's experience, I think, fits with this team really well. Um, he is a former quarterback, played quarterback at Fordham University. Um, he's, he's been a quarterback's coach, a running back's coach, offensive coordinator, head coach. Um, I love the matchup with him in our running back room with CJ Vernell, Travis Dye, Cyrus Abibibikio, Sean Dollars will hopefully see some carries this year. Um, I can't wait to see the explosion that, you know, Cristobal and Moorhead have talked about because uh, one thing that I heard was that 
in practice before COVID, those four practices that we were able to, that the Ducks were able to get in, um, that there were so many more explosive plays in just those four than all of 2019. Um, yeah. We really didn't see that, you know, big play offense. I mean, of course, there were some when they were planning, um, but we didn't see that, you know, that Chip Kelly, Mark Helfrich kind of long play um, offense. And I think Duck fans have gotten so used to that, that when you don't see that, you know, you're, like you said, some fans are frustrated and they want to see more. And I think we're going to get to see that. Yeah. And that's something that I think should really excite Duck fans because that's really what the Oregon offense was known for, racking up these big plays um, with explosive uh, running backs and receivers breaking off huge runs and passing plays. Um, so it's going to be nice to go back to those days potentially of um, getting those huge plays and breaking games open uh, with players' athleticism. Um, and it was a bit jarring to see us or to see Oregon go back to a more simplistic, conservative offense, kind of just picking up uh, first downs along the way and eventually getting down the field. Um, and, you know, whatever gets the job done at the end of the day. But at the same time, Oregon's been known for those big explosive plays. I think Duck fans are going to be excited to see that potentially happening again tomorrow. Well, they got a Rose Bowl championship and a Pac-12 championship out of conservative play calling. So I can't wait to see what's in store with Joe Moorhead. Um, another thing I'm very excited to see is Tyler Shuck under pressure. That sounds kind of interesting, but when, you know, he came in, he did play some snaps. I think he played about 53 snaps last season. Um, and he threw three touchdown passes, but it was mostly kind of garbage time. Guys aren't giving it all as much. Um, everybody's tired. I can't wait to see what he's like under pressure. We've had a lot of quarterbacks over the years. You've talked about Darren Thomas, Jeremiah Masoli, Mariota, even Herbert, guys who can mm -hmm. scramble and extend the play. I can't wait to see, um, especially with this young offensive line um, against, you know, a, a pretty experienced, semi-experienced Stanford defensive line and linebacker core, um, to see him, you know, extend plays, to see what he can do with his legs as well. Because we know what he can do with his arm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, he he has shown promise in throwing those touchdowns off the limited snaps. But like you said, it was in garbage time when, frankly, teams aren't putting in their all as much. They might have their own uh, backups in at that point um, or the guys that were in are tired. And you don't really see that pure um, game time adrenaline-filled um, things that you'd see during a normal game. And that's something Tyler Shuck will have to get used to, just being on the field um, as the number one QB if he does indeed start tomorrow. And um, we've heard good things about him, and it'll be exciting to see if he can extend plays with his legs, make things happen, um, other than just with his arm, uh, like the prototypical dual-correct quarterback archetype that Oregon is known for. Absolutely. Um, it's going to be really interesting to, to see what, you know, a whole new team is like, especially the offensive line, as we've mentioned before. Um, both the defense um, projected to be a 
historic among the program. Um, but we, we, we did see a lot of guys opt out, um, leave for the NFL with guys like Javon Holland, Brady Breeze, defensive MVP of the Rose Bowl, and Thomas Graham, um, guys who have done so much for the program over the last couple of years, taken a defense that was really one of the worst in the country to a dominant one um, mm -hmm. a season ago. Um, some new faces, um, we do get guys returning, guys who were mostly backups, getting that, um, that chance to play, you know, starting reps now. But the big guy coming back is Jordan Scott, as well as Diamador Lenore. Cristobal mm -hmm. has raved about those two. He says Jordan Scott is stronger, he's smarter, he's slimmer. He thinks that Diamador Lenore is one of the best corners in the country. He thinks there's a different gear to him. What do you think we can see from those two guys in, uh, tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, those are all um, promising praises from Coach Cristobal. Um, Jordan Owen Scott, we all know him as that big guy in the middle on defense. Um, and hearing that he'll be able to potentially be more athletic and explosive down on that defensive line will be it'll be exciting to see um, because we definitely know that he can blow up some plays and against uh, that offensive line Stanford has, um, it'll be exciting to see. And obviously Lenore, um, a guy who did opt out originally, but once the season was announced to come back, he decided to opt back in, which uh, I think all of Ducks fans had a collective sigh of relief uh, to see him back. Um, it's going to be fun to see him get after receivers and make plays and uh, hopefully return some picks for touchdowns as well. Um, I'm excited to see them back and uh, it's going to be fun watching them tomorrow. And even with the losses of Breeze, Graham and Holland, there are still guys who have plenty of experience playing in the secondary um, along with Lenore, as you said, who will be wearing number zero in case Ducks fans are confused. Oh. He tripped Interesting. Number to number zero. Um, you still have Nick Pickett playing safety. Ron McKinley, who got some crucial plays in towards the end of the season, um, tied to the Pac-12 lead with four picks. He started 11 games. Um, you have Mikhail Wright, who Duck fans know most as a kickoff return guy. He plays in corner as well. Um, allowed only mm -hmm. eight catches on 23 targets last season, which is phenomenal. Enough people aren't talking mm -hmm. about that. And Jamal Hill, who uh, is going to be replacing Javon Holland in that nickel position. And Cristobal has raved about uh, Jamal Hill, who did, he played in every game last year, but he didn't make a start and he'll get a chance against Stanford. What do you want to see from this secondary against a very experienced Stanford uh, receiving core? Um, I think I just want to see if we can keep up the momentum we had uh, last year from our impressive secondary, and to see if these guys, um, led by Lenore, um, can step up and go against these Stanford receivers, which um, we all know them for being bigger, stronger than um, your typical Oregon defensive backs. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, – um, Sorry, I'm blanking. Davis Mills uh, is able to get the ball out to them. And if uh, guys like Lenore uh, will be able to make plays on the ball 
um, and prevent their passing game from getting going um, because we don't know how the running game is going to look. Um, if it's in any indication after last year, um, probably not too great. Um, so if we're able to see those pass plays coming with our experienced secondary, I think it's going to be very helpful to us, um, especially when we got those experienced receivers out there. So it'll be interesting to see. For sure. Before we head off, we're almost finished here, but before we head off, give me your top three players um, for Oregon to, to watch for tomorrow. Right. I think the obvious for everyone is uh, whoever's starting at quarterback, uh, Tyler Urshuk or Anthony Brown. Um, I mean, you either got the young upstart quarterback who's been uh, the understudy of Justin Herbert, or you got the experienced hand, uh, Anthony Brown, coming in from Boston College after a tough injury that ended the season last year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, which guy Crystal Ball decides to go with. Um, I think it's also very possible we see both of them tomorrow, um, depending on how the game goes and uh, how either of them plays um, based on who's starting. Um, it reminds me of um, the 2005 season, if we want to go back in time. You had uh, Kellen Clemens and Dennis Dixon. Um, that was uh, Mike Bellotti going back and forth with the two because he felt both of them could make plays uh, when he needed them to. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Cristobal goes on a similar route and alternating between um, Tyler Shuck and Anthony Brown. And my second player is actually a core. It's the uh, entire Oregon offensive line. A um, lot of new faces, a lot of fresh meet on the offensive line and it's going to be interesting to see if they can fill those shoes of um, one of the greatest offensive lines uh, Oregon's ever had. Um, those are big shoes to fill, but I think you're in a good scenario against a Stanford line that isn't able to really get after the quarterback as much. Um, it's going to be helpful for those guys to um, get those growing pains out um, against uh, a line that won't be able to probably get through as much as um, some other defensive lines. And then my third player is Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, the stellar, stellar freshman last year, uh, who I believe was um, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he had not, yeah, he's a freshman. Um, and he had nine sacks, um, which is just incredible from a freshman. Obviously, he was a huge recruit that everyone was excited about when he got picked up. And he's been everything and more that Duck fans have wanted. So it's going to be exciting to see if he's made even more of a jump and um, getting after Davis Wilson in that Stanford defense. Who's your top three players? Well, I can't argue with your three. I mean, Kayvon was one of the most dominant defensive ends I've seen since, you know, the days of DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead. I mean, this guy's a freak of nature. Um, yeah. But my three, um, you mentioned the offensive line, but there's one guy that I think Mario Cristobal has talked about more than the others, and that's Alex Forsythe. Um, mm -hmm. And he's projected to be the starting center, but Cristobal has just raved about this guy and how he's so versatile. Um, you know, in his first two years, he played snaps at left guard, at right guard, 
a right tackle, but he's going to be getting his first snaps at center. And you might see a couple of snaps, you know, maybe graze a leg or kind of hit the grass. Um, yeah. You know, that's probably normal. Obviously, he's getting those reps in. But, you know, once you get in the game, it's a different feel. Um, so watch out for him. Cristobal loves this guy. Um, my second guy is Micah Pittman. And Micah Pittman lit it up when he got the opportunities. Um, he only played a few games, uh, seven games. In fact, Oregon was undefeated in those seven games that he played. Um, you know, he made his first career start in the Rose Bowl. So, you know, I think he can probably handle a little bit of pressure. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when the ball's coming his way. Um, obviously, he'll be fighting for um, for some balls with Johnny Johnson and Jalen Red, but this guy is explosive. Um, and my other watch for on the defensive end um, and in the return game is Mikhail Wright. Um, Mikhail Wright is a very underrated cornerback. I think a lot of people know him most, as I've talked about, um, as a return guy. Um, but corner, this guy's very reliable, and he's um, just as locked down as we've seen from guys like Graham and Lenore. And he's got great guys to learn from. But in the return game, this guy is on the level of the Kenyon Barners and the D'Anthony Thomases and the Charles Nelsons of years past. And this guy can rip up a turf um, when he, he's got the ball in his hands. Um, so I'm, I'm so excited to, to see those guys. Do you have a score prediction for tomorrow's game? Oh, gosh. Oh. You know, it's interesting. It's you got all these new factors coming in, uh, new guys on offense and defense. Um, plus, you got to factor in um, a lot of these guys haven't played in a very long time. Um, Ducks haven't played, obviously, since the Rose Bowl and Stanford since... Um, it was late November. Late November, yeah. So it's been a long time. I mean, you can get all the reps in you want. Like you said, it doesn't compare it to the actual game, having the adrenaline. I think one advantage that will play to Stanford is um, the lack of fans in Austin, not having that deafening noise um, will favor the Cardinal. And it'll be interesting to see how the Ducks deal with that in their home games this year. But, yeah, I think it, as far as the score prediction goes, I'm going to go 32-14. to 14. Well, I was going to go very similar to the score we saw last season when Oregon came into Palo Alto, beat uh, Stanford 21 to six. Um, I think we'll see something along those lines. I think it'll be a pretty sluggish game. Um, I think it's going to be either a really slow game or we're going to be, you know, we're going to be seeing a lot of big plays, a lot of different yeah. things. Joe Moorhead, I think we could be surprised either way. But I think it's an important game to get, um, you know, the team experienced and ready um, to grow, grind it out this season. Um, but my final score prediction is 27 to 10. Oregon uh, improves to one and on the season. Um, so, yeah, that is our show. Thank you so much, Jack, for, for talking some Oregon football with me. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to do so and really excited for tomorrow. Absolutely. Can't wait to watch some Pac-12 football after 10 months. It's been a long 10 months, but football is here for the, for the Northwest. So thank you, everybody, so much for watching uh, episode six or listening, episode six of the Duck TV Sports Show. Make sure to tune in every Tuesday and Thursday. There will be shows out. Uh, this one's a little bit closer to game day, so we chose to do it 
on a Friday day before, get the feel for what the teams are. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.